Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Good evening. It's Tuesday, November 5th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news, all within 15 minutes or fewer. I'm Connor Tapp, and I'm joined today by 24-7 Sports College Sports Editor Trey Scott and National College Football Writer Chris Hummer. We are recording this on Tuesday night, mere minutes after the College Football Playoff Selection Committee revealed its first top 25 of the 2019 season. If you are, if, if listening to this podcast is finding, is your way of finding out what the rankings are, first of all, weird, but two, let me accommodate you by saying uh, we've got uh, at, the, at the very top, and we'll get more, we'll discuss the the, the lower elements of the poll a little bit later on, but just at the very top, we've got Georgia at six, Clemson, the shocker at five, Penn State at four, Alabama three, LSU two, Ohio State one. So, uh, let I mean, let's not uh, bury the lead here. The big news is the committee keeping Clemson out of this initial top four. Trey, we're talking on Slack as this is developing. I could not believe that they did this. You said that you kind of thought that they might. What uh, reactions here? I wish I had called my shot in a more public setting. I think I said the same thing to Chris. Um, I just texted somebody earlier saying, I, I was, so I was at a bar earlier tonight watching um, the basketball game, Connor and Chris, and CBS Sports Network was doing like their, their projected playoff fields, and uh, Aaron Taylor had Penn State number four, and I was like, what, what in the world? And then I was like, wait, this makes sense. Like, not in the, I don't think it makes sense to me. But I just meant like I, 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 I'm not surprised that the committee did this, and they they have some logic to stand behind. They have Penn State, they beat Michigan, they went on the road and beat Iowa, and like that's sometimes all you need when you're making this debate because they then they go well. Rob Mullins is like, well, you know, it's it's a little bit more impressive than what Clemson's done. Pointing out, you know, that Clemson really just has that week two win over Texas A&M at home. Um, and that near loss to North Carolina. I was surprised. I don't necessarily agree with it. I think Clemson's a better football team than Penn State. Penn State's offense is number 44 nationally in yards per play. But I, as, as the hours sort of uh, wore on to us getting this, I started to think, I think Penn State's resume per what the playoff committee is looking for might be enough for four. Yeah, it's kind of this interesting – I feel like these two things that we want out of college football polls are kind of in conflict. Like we don't want – people who don't lose games to be punished. But it feels like another thing that we want is for people to kind of like apply more than just these kind of, these kind of crazy rules that we've just been sticking to. Like if you, if you lose, if you win, you move up. And if you lose, you move down kind of thing. And, uh, and the college football playoff committee has always been like, yeah, we're kind of throwing that out the window and we're kind of taking a more holistic look at this thing. Um, So, I mean, Moving Clemson out of the top five is shocking, but it's also a vote of confidence in Penn State. Chris, like, do you think 
Penn State like deserving of being a top four team? I think it's one of those classic cases of uh, best team versus most deserving. If we're picking the best team, which I think is what the committee is supposed to do ultimately, but I think that formula kind of changes throughout the season when you have a full body of work. I think Clemson is still the best team, and I think the year will kind of show that out. But if you're talking most deserving, I certainly understand the argument of having Penn State above Clemson. Uh, Penn State has the two, you could argue, three best wins of the two teams if you want to argue Michigan State or Pittsburgh versus Texas A&M. And they have uh, big wins over Iowa and Michigan. So in that regard, I can understand why Penn State ranked above them. I don't necessarily agree. I think Clemson is still a better team. I think outside of that North Carolina scare on the road uh, to a pretty good North Carolina team, Clemson's been as dominant as you expect. Uh, even that Texas A&M score is a little misleading. Uh, they put it on Texas A&M for most of the afternoon. Uh, so in that way, I do understand why the committee went there. I just don't think I don't think we're not going to get to the situation because obviously the schedules take care of itself. But if it came down to an undefeated Clemson at the end of the year, based on the way they've played, or then an undefeated Penn State. I think you'd have a hard time keeping Clemson out given the kind of dominance they've shown. But I think that formula kind of changes early on in the season when you're examining a smaller uh, kind of slice of a resume, especially when Clemson doesn't have any uh, marquee wins to kind of hold up with right now. That Hold on. That's kind of my concern here, though, is we're supposed to be finding the four best teams. And I, I can't profess to watching like every minute of Penn State, but I've watched a lot of both of these teams. And Connor, like we we have on our Sunday podcast, like we both have Clemson ahead of Penn state. Chris, you would have Clemson ahead of Penn state. Like Clemson's a better, better football team than Penn state. And we can talk about, yeah, Penn state needed the goal line stand to beat six and three pit. Uh, Clemson needed the goal line stand to beat four and five North Carolina, like whatever, throw it all out. But are we losing our compass here of four best teams? Because that's a very important compass that we were supposed to be following the next five weeks because we've got some situations. And, Connor, I'm not going to you know, steal the segues here, but we've got situations as far as the four best teams could be concerned when you know, we've got trouble brewing in the Big 12. We've got the SEC trying to get two teams in. We've got the Pac-12 with the puncher's chance. So, Chris, I understand what you're saying with like, okay, well, it's early. Like This is almost a sort of like pat on the back for Penn State for getting where they are, but if the committee's supposed to be finding the four best teams, and if Clemson, if we believe that Clemson undefeated at 13 and 0 at the end of the year would rank higher than Penn State at 13 and 0 at the end of the year, which I disagree with, Chris, because in that logic, Penn State then would have a win over Ohio State and Minnesota. But like this is, I, I want to, I don't feel very comfortable with the idea that like the committee is no longer tr just trying to choose the four best teams. So I don't know, you know, what they're trying to do. Who knows? And I know where you're going with that, but it's. I wonder what sort of precedent this sets. Yeah, well, I, I think it's. And we we got into the whole four best teams thing at the end of last season when Georgia was trying to sneak in the back door of the playoff. And I and I think it's important important to clarify that the the way the playoff committee, like in its cr evaluation criteria on its website, defines four best teams is not. It's like four best teams as defined as de decided by a number of factors including things like strength of schedule and like all of the, all of the normal usual things uh so but it, it's it's important to it's important to point out though that those factors are only used to decide when teams are close so like if there's a significant margin between the two teams those factors mm. aren't technically considered by the committee okay so in that situation if they felt penn state and clemson were close 
like strength of schedule certainly factors in, but in those situations, like best is it's not subjectively defined. They kind of evaluate everything, but like when teams are close at the margin is, is when they kind of dip into those other factors. Yeah. And I, I think a, like, Penn state being where they are is a hundred percent being where they are relative to Clemson is a hundred percent about the past three weeks when they beat Iowa, Michigan and Michigan state, all top 25 teams, according to ESPN's FPI and, uh, the closest thing, uh, Clemson, Clemson has a uh, Texas A&M, but otherwise it's kind of their, their schedule is kind of a bloodbath and it's no fault of their own really. But I mean, they, they do have two SEC sched- teams on their schedule in the non-conference. It's not really their fault that those two teams are massively disappointing, but that's where we are. So a- a- another question that's kind of been raised by Clemson's placement here is I think preseason our expectation was Clemson could lose a game somewhere and be fine. I don't, Trey, I, I don't think that we can operate with that assumption anymore. Now, the counterweight to that is incredibly unlikely that they do lose to any of the teams left on their schedule. But Yeah, very incredibly unlikely. <clears throat> I believe ESPN and FPI gives them an 89% chance to win out. I don't think Clemson could lose a game and make it in. So, and, and you know, Especially, I don't know if they would rather lose or win the the Wake Forest game, guys, because Wake Forest is number nineteen. I don't know, Chris. You know, what do you want at this point—a better loss or a better win? If you must lose, but no, I, I think that the fact that they would open up at five and not four or three, and I do have some questions about Bamith. Yes, if we're going to have Penn State at four, but I think Clemson opening at five means I kind of know what the committee thinks of them, and. Yeah, if they lost a game, I think they would then slot behind the Pac-12 and the Big 12 as far as one-loss conference champions because the committee is making it clear they don't care about last year. And they don't care about the name on the uniform, or at least that's what they're saying in the case of Clemson. In the case of Alabama, I don't see a good argument for them. Like, if Penn State's going to be ahead of Clemson, put Penn State ahead of Alabama. I agree with that. But I think Alabama's been Alabama doesn't have that close call that North Carolina that Clemson and North Carolina. Alabama doesn't have that close call that Penn State did with Pittsburgh. Had a uh, Pat Narduzzi decided to make some more logical decisions at the end of the game. Uh, Alabama's been consistently dominant outside of a brief stretch against Tennessee where it looked like it might be close. So I think that probably made the difference in that regard. Yeah, uh, we've got at the very top of the poll, we've got Ohio State number one over LSU. I think all three of us kind of thought that that was going to kind of be a swing vote that could go either way. I don't I don't really know that any of us could really complain too much about how that panned out. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think it was the right call. I think Ohio State's been the most consistently dominant team in the country, and they've kind of shown to be the best team so far. I'm just wondering, and I'm just going to be this really annoying devil's advocate. I had, when Chris and I were working on his playoff rankings projection, I had thought LSU would be one because if it's three, then top 10 wins. But the committee's going with eye test over resume for one and two, and then for four and five, going resume over eye test. But I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. A, a lot of conspiracy theorists were contending that they were going to put LSU and Bama at one and two for ratings. We didn't end up getting that outcome here. So it just feels like it's worth noting. But it, it, it raises an interesting question where LSU and Alabama are here. The fact that LSU is ahead of Alabama is not necessarily a surprise, but it does kind of set up the question of what position is the loser 
of this weekend's game between these two teams in, uh, it kind of feels like, and Chris, let's start with you, that LSU is in the better spot to lose this game and still be in the hunt for a playoff position. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think these rankings, if LSU loses to Alabama in a close game, really set up a situation in which the SEC could easily get in two teams. That could be Alabama running the table, finishing 13-0, and and LSU sits there at 11-1 and with a close loss to Alabama. Or even potentially, let's say, LSU loses a one-possession game to Alabama, Alabama loses a one-possession game to Georgia in the SEC championship. And I, I legitimately do think there's a scenario in which you could see three SEC teams get in the conversation oh, for the God. playoff. And every- stop, 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 stop. And everybody stop. Head, that is everybody's ex- head explodes. But that would take a lot of chaos. But yeah, LSU's, LSU's got a great chance if it loses close. Uh, I think Alabama has insane. the potential to run the table. And are you really going to leave out an 11-1 LSU with wins over Auburn, Florida, and Texas, and a close loss to Alabama out of the playoff. If you're looking for one of the four best teams, I think in that instance, uh, LSU has a really strong argument to be in that mix. Uh, oh man, we gosh. just got a Stop. we just got a one star review for being SEC biased, and I want that listener, if he's still out there, to note the severity of Trey's and my reaction to that. Yeah, comment. we're the regulars. Don't ruin it for us. <laughs> hey, is Alabama? It's, Alab- it's possible. No, it's it's not remotely possible. Is Alabama out if they lose Saturday? Because they're the they're the home team, they're the seven touchdown favorite, and they don't have the non conference or really the cross divisional SEC East slate of LSU. Are they out? I kind of feel like they are. Out is a like to okay, say, yeah, like who knows what happens in five <laughs> weeks, but like you know what I mean. I mean, like kind of out. They definitely have a very difficult road ahead. Let me plug this into five thirty eight. Uh, so yeah, five thirty eight gives Alabama a fifteen percent chance of making the playoff if they lose uh, on Saturday to LSU. So, I mean, that is functionally out of it. That, that's a pretty well, small chance. Don't don't forget that, I mean, in a pretty similar situation in 2017, Alice, Alabama still made the playoff. That year they had top 25 wins over LSU and Mississippi State. Uh, this year, if they, lost, uh, if they lost to LSU close, they'd have a top 25 win over Auburn conceivably. It's not, it's not impossible to think Chris, that Alabama is still good in that scenario. You're forgetting that. In 2017, unless I've lost my marbles, Bama also had that win over then number three Florida State, which got propped up as a resume point too. They did have that win over a neutral side over Florida State, but Florida State also turned out to be a bit of a disaster that season. I'm not sure. But how I, that- I, I think the committee used that win to, to justify putting Alabama in. So I, this is really interesting. I wonder even, like, as we move on, I wonder even if LSU lost to Alabama. Like, does LSU how far do they even drop? I think we're going to learn. We learned a lot tonight. We're going to learn a lot next week, guys, because we've got Penn State versus Minnesota. We're going to learn a lot next week as far as what the committee really thinks about these teams. So with all this talk of conferences getting multiple teams in, that means that there are conferences in serious danger of being left out altogether. And, of course, primarily we are looking there at the Pac-12 and the Big 12. And so it was very fascinating to kind of track where the leading contenders from those conferences were popping up on the polls here. Uh, Oregon and Utah, the only people in it for the Pac-12, are in the same position they were in in the AP poll. And Trey, I think you and I kind of concluded that's like pretty decent position for one of those two teams to emerge as a contender for a fourth playoff spot here. 
Uh, any anything about this rankings release that changes your mind there? No, they can two on one box out Oklahoma as they meet for a uh, Pac-12 championship game and just effectively keep Oklahoma out of it. Um, Unless the Sooners leapfrog one of them. Uh, Chris, I would like your thoughts on, you know, if that's a thing that could happen. But, yeah, I, I kind of, Connor, when we talked over the weekend, I, I had started to change my tune and think that the Pac-12, not the Big 12, had the sort of advantage here as far as the, the conferences with teams with one loss. And I think that was confirmed. And think about this. Oregon's got Arizona, Arizona State, and Oregon State. Utah's got UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado. I don't know if there's one game of those six possible regular season games remaining that's at all losable. I would say Utah playing UCLA and Oregon playing Arizona State if I had to choose. But I think these two teams are going to cruise until December. So, Chris, with regarding the Big 12, I mean, they've got Oklahoma at 9, Baylor at 12, uh, Kansas State at 16, which I only mentioned as a, as a resume item for, for Oklahoma and Baylor. Um and Texas is out of it right now, so that there goes uh, out of the top twenty-five right now. So there goes Oklahoma's. Oh, they're out of everything. Yeah, there goes Oklahoma's. There goes Oklahoma's uh, top twenty-five. They're what might have been their marquee win. They're they're only a game against a top twenty-five team right now is a, a loss to Kansas State, but relative to the AP poll, like every Big Twelve team is a couple of spots higher. Oklahoma's at eleven in the AP poll. Uh, uh, Kansas State, I think, was at 23 in the AP poll. So, uh, I mean, are 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 we feeling a little bit bigger? A little bit? Are we feeling a little bit better about the Big 12's chances looking at at this playoff rankings? Or are still pretty grim? I think I think it depends on how Oklahoma finishes down the stretch, and I, we're just kind of ignoring Baylor. If Baylor runs the table, they're gonna be in. I don't see a scenario where the committee can justify leaving out an undefeated power five champion, even if well, Baylor plays Stephen F. Austin, UTSA and Rice in the non-conference schedule, there's still 13 and 0 coming out of the big 12. Chris, are you a thousand percent sure that undefeated conference champion Baylor makes it in? I mean, I can't be a thousand percent sure. I've seen, I've seen some questionable decisions in my opinion by the committee before. I think the big 12 got pretty uh, stung in 2014 when Ohio state le- leapfrogged uh, TCU and Baylor. But without a conference championship game, but 13 and 0 is a pretty strong resume point to kind of put up there, no matter who you played And the big 12, in my opinion, is the strongest top to bottom league in the country. And I think you saw the committee respect that a little bit by ranking Oklahoma state and by ranking Kansas state as highly as they did. Um, that's actually part of the reason why I think Oklahoma's not totally out of this. Um, Oregon and Utah have the marquee game against each other. It's going to be, I have a hard time seeing either one of those teams losing, uh, heading into the Pac-12 championship game. But Oklahoma's got potential statement wins on the road versus Baylor and Oklahoma State ahead of them. And then whoever emerges in the Big 12 title game, uh, whether that's uh, Baylor, Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma State, it's kind of up in the air right now. But that's potentially three top 25 quality wins down the stretch for Oklahoma, which is certainly more than uh, Utah and Oregon can claim. Neither one of those teams right now has a current top 25 win. I would argue Oregon's strongest point right now is they lost to Auburn close, and they've beaten some good teams on the road like Washington and USC. Uh, Utah's been a little more consistent in my opinion, but either way, those teams are going to bank on beating each other, whereas Oklahoma does have a path forward with multiple opportunities to showcase 
um, kind of their progression as the season goes along. Yeah, I, I, I think the I think undefeated Baylor versus a one loss SEC team is is could be the thing that like breaks the college football like the the four team playoff and just like makes us feel like man we got to expand this because like I it's it's I mean the the likelier scenario is that Baylor loses somewhere along the way they've got a seven percent chance of winning out so that's that that's not that's not very likely but just kind of in a individual game situation it's there's not really one where you're like oh man well they've got no shot of winning this but like I mean they're just not good enough to really think they're likely to win out but I mean I don't know turning away an undefeated Big 12 team just seems unconscionable to me I don't think I don't think when it, if it came down to the situation with an undefeated Clemson an undefeated Baylor and a one loss LSU without a conference championship I think the committee then leans on some of those factors. Like conference championships is a factor they consider, but that doesn't come into consideration until the last week of the season. And I think in that case, they would have to have a really hard time justifying leaving out an undefeated Power 5 champion in that situation. I think it's a little bit different if you're talking about a one-loss Baylor or I don't think Utah and Oregon are in this situation, but a one-loss Baylor versus a one-loss LSU. It's a completely different ballgame there because Baylor would likely have a loss to an Oklahoma or Texas along the way. But I, I really, I don't think we're at the doomsday scenario portion where an undefeated Power 5 team is going to get left out. I don't think we're going to even have that situation. I anticipate Baylor tripping up soon. And Clemson's too good to ever get left out in that situation. But I don't think the committee is going to get to that point uh, this season or really anytime soon unless there's a crazy year where the Pac-12 or the Big 12 is the worst conference in the history. And then you have to consider it. But right now, that's, I don't think we're anywhere close to that scenario. I think it's kind of it's kind of a bad year to be one of these teams that's kind of punching above its weight and could maybe sneak in the back door of the playoff like we've seen with like Michigan State in past years for example just because we have four teams that I think everybody is pretty well in love with at this point and if you know if we can somehow get it across the line where everybody has the right record that it can be these four teams, I think we'd all feel pretty great about it. Talking of course of the teams that are, well, Clemson, Ohio state, Alabama, LSU, I guess a little wrench is thrown in my talking point by Penn state being included in this top four tonight. But I think, I think people will be basically fine with Penn state there. I mean, it's, uh, we'll get to decide it on the field presumably. So, um, we'll see. Uh, any anything else jumping out at you guys from this initial top twenty five? Anything further down the ballot that could maybe be influential as we go forward here? I would just like to nominate the American West Division. Uh, the winner of that gets to play Clemson for the AAC champion. Amer- the AAC championship. I think it'd be a much better game than whatever the Coastal submit and a lot more fun. Mm. All right, well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, we ask that you do one thing this week to help spread the word about the show. And ideally, that one thing would be leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Chris Hummer, Trey Scott, and our producer, Tani Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you bright and early on Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.
The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.